If you're visiting us, you're new here, uh, we are, uh, today, we wrap up um, our walk through the entire book of Romans. We spent all of 2023 in Romans and couldn't quite finish it, and I didn't want to neglect this last chapter. Chapter 16, uh, we didn't read all of it. The first 15 verses is actually this greeting from, from Paul where he's commending the church to greet, and he gives this long list of names. One of our church fathers, Chrysostom, says that this list of names is a treasure trove of information for the church, a list of all these people who we are called to welcome to each other, and he kind of summarizes it with this call to greet one another with a holy kiss. So I really want to focus in on that, this idea of greeting one another with a holy kiss, but also, this text challenged me this week. Because Paul says to greet one another, and there's this constant message of greeting and welcome. If you remember chapter 15, he wants the church to be a place where people are truly welcome, no matter the, no matter the, the color of their skin, the language they speak, the gender uh, that, that they are, the, 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 the socioeconomic status. Slave, free, Jew, Gentile, he wants the church to be a place that welcomes one another because Christ has welcomed us. But in this text, he goes from this long call for the church to greet one another to this caution, did you catch it, to avoid and be careful of certain kinds of people or certain kinds of agendas or ideologies. And I struggled with this, and I was thinking about this, and thinking about one of my favorite moments of being greeted. Whenever I come home from uh, a long day, or a great day, a good day, bad day from work, I drive home, and I open up the garage, and as I drive home, I'm thinking about my family, and kind of preparing my heart, I got five kids, uh, you know, I, I need to be in dad mode, I'm walking in, and I open the garage, and as the garage opens, there's the garage door right there, and 90% of the time, the door opens, and my son Jude opens the door to greet me. It's like, I don't know how he does it, but he hears the garage, and it's like whatever he's doing, he stops, and he runs, and he wants to greet me. And this is the word that Paul uses here in Romans chapter 16. When he talks about greeting one another, this is about this like, I'm so happy to see these people. I can't wait to welcome them. It's almost like I'm gonna stop what I'm doing for this interruption to greet them. And this is my son Jude. Now sometimes I open my garage door and the garage door goes up and there's no Jude to be found. Now, oftentimes he's just busy doing something or he's at basketball or something, but Every once in a while, he's not there because maybe he's not so excited to see me. <laughs> maybe he had a bad day at school. Maybe he's had a bad day with his siblings. Or maybe he knows that dad had a bad day and uh, he just doesn't want to, you know, greet dad in that bad day. I was thinking about this and I, I believe Paul is writing to us as we think about how we view each other and how we welcome each other. And in particular, I really think he's getting after three ideas about who we greet, who we avoid, and who to trust in all of this here in chapter 16. I think it's really insightful. And so today, we're going to be looking at this call of discerning together who to greet, who to avoid, and who to trust. Discerning together who to greet, 
who to avoid and who to trust. In this passage, Paul writes about a whole bunch of people. People that, that, that probably have this interaction and they have these relationships, but as I was thinking about what does this mean for us today, I think this is more than just people in the room, because you see, we live in what people call the digital age. We live in, in, in an age where lots of our discipleship, lots of the ways that we're thinking are formed and determined by what I'd like to call, or what I believe is our discipleship is shaped by algorithms, AI, and personal preferences, if we're not careful. And we as a church in the age that we live in must be diligent, circle that word diligent, to discern who or I would say what to greet, who or what to avoid, and who or what to trust. I don't know if you've, I was learning about that this week, that, that in the age that we live in, um, social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram and uh, Facebook and X, formerly called Twitter, they used to be that they were all about having these social, uh, being connected with all of your friends and seeing what everybody's doing, but these folks are really smart and they learned that we actually prefer to have our feeds be built around our preferences more than what other people are doing. And so now there's these algorithms and there's these, there's these influencers that, that, that these AI bots are learning about the things that we love, the things that you like, the things that you scroll through, the things that you, you stop on, the things that you comment on, and they're being like, oh man, Logan really likes the 49ers. So I'm gonna put more 49er stuff. Oh, Logan really likes you know, this political ideology or this, or these kind of speakers. So I'm gonna put, and, and, and we actually, a, a lot of our discipleship is actually, a lot of the ways that we're thinking, a lot of our formation, if we're not careful, is actually being formed by our own preferences and our own likes and dislikes and follows, and, and we can be easily guided by this digital age. And so I believe that this text is actually speaking in a little bit to this. And I believe we get some insights on how to be careful here and some great guidelines to help us as we think about, as you think about, who am I welcoming? And not just welcoming like in the, in the, in the, in the gathering of people, but who, whose who's ideologies and, and, and who am I welcoming to be a part of my commun- community and the way, the, my way of life? And then who am I being careful with? And then who do I trust? So with that in mind, let's say a word of prayer and let's ask God to kind of come alongside and reveal these truths to us today. God, there's so much in these verses. I just confess, Lord, I, I got like so many things in my head that I wanna say and then have your way, Jesus, I trust you. Lord, I pray that you would speak in a very particular way to each of us right now. I pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts and help us to see, help us to be inspired and to have hope and help us to know, God, what your word, given from you for our good and your glory, what that means for us and help us not just to hear it and understand it, but also to do what it says. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. 
So the first thing is to know is who to greet. It seems to me here in these first 16 verses, Paul wants the church to know that we are called to be a people who greet the communion of saints. This is a little um, reiteration or a little reminder of a sermon I preached just a couple weeks ago about our call to gather the communion of saints. The communion of saints, if you're interested, what does that word mean? In In the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. This is a, a, a principle, a truth that we believe that, that, that the communion of saints are all who believe in Jesus as the King and the Savior. And it's not just people that you're in worship together, it's actually all the people in all the times, all the way back to Romans 16 and this long list of people and people in different, all around the world who believe that Christ is King and that he is the only God, that God is the only God and we follow him and him, him alone. This is the communion of saints. And I believe here, as Paul is writing to the church, before he gets in who to avoid, he wants to make sure that, that, that this, this gathering of people in the church of Rome are, are having this unity and this welcoming and this greeting of each other. Because there's a lot that could go sideways. There's Jews and Gentiles. There's people who have been following the ways of the Torah for a really long time. And there's these new Christians who don't know anything about the ways of of the Torah and the ways of the law, and they're, and they're into this new gathering together. And there's this, these ethnicities that are coming together. There's these, there's, there's these uh, male and female, and there's, the, there's these cultural gender roles that are spoken into that Paul is kind of breaking apart. There's, there's, there's slaves and there's freed men and there's freed women who are, who are living together in, in community, and Paul is saying that they need to have this attitude of greeting one another, of welcoming one another like my son Jude when he opens the door and he can't wait to see me. This is the call for the attitude of the church. Not just then, but today. I wanna look at just a few of these names that Paul gives. I, I kind of had Kleber read verse 16 where he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss here now, now you know, commentators would say this is like, um, kind of like our equivalent to greet one another with a hearty handshake. In that context, oftentimes the, uh, scholars will say that the early church had this tradition, they called it uh, the kiss of peace. And there would be this way of, of gathering, gathering together and after uh, a, a, a word was given, they would do this kiss of peace, this welcoming kiss of peace. Many, many people say that Paul, as he's wrapping up this 16 chapter letter, This long letter where he unpacks the gospel and speaks in to all these different issues and gets after justification and gets after after the new Adam and and living under the the reign of the spirit and what the church looks like with Jew and Gentile. And he's kind of unpacked all this. He's calling the church. It's almost like they're reading this letter and he's envisioning them after after they greet one another that they greet each other with this like sign of their covenant together. He kind of pictures this. Now maybe you're wondering, now what does this communion of saints look like? Who are these people? I want to highlight just some of them. There's this long list I would encourage you. It's really a treasure trove of names here in chapter 16. But I want to highlight just a few. First, there's this lady who says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. And Phoebe here, he says, is a servant. The word for servant here is diakonos. 
this may be familiar to you, this is the same word used for deacon in, in T- Timothy and Titus, and, and this was uh, people in the church who, who were serving the tables, were taking care of the widows, were, were doing a lot of the behind the scenes work, sometimes in benevolence, and it seems to be that this lady, uh, Chloe, or Phoebe, was, was doing the work here, and, and Paul was calling the church to welcome her. Now imagine, this might be a church that's a little patriarchal, with a bunch of guys that say, oh man, we can't have, we can't have this woman doing this, 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 this service. She, she can't be in this, she just needs to do these other things that, that the woman of our time do, does. And Paul is saying, no, you need to welcome Phoebe. And you need to commend her, and why? He says, because she's a benefactor. This word for benefactor that he talks about, protastus, is, is oftentimes somebody who would bring people in, oftentimes immigrants or people that are new to the town would bring them in and receive them. The word for welcome or receive is the idea of receiving somebody in, and when you receive them, you're not just welcoming them, you're also helping them find a place to stay, you're feeding them, and she did this for Paul, and Paul's saying, you church, she's gonna be coming to you, you need to welcome her. Now, the word here for deacons, there's a lot of debate in the church about this word. Is this an actual office of the church? Because in Timothy and Titus, uh, when, when deacon is talked about, it seems to be uh, describing a, a, a male. And there's a whole bunch that could go into that, but it seems to me here that Paul here is just saying that there's these ladies in the church who are called to do really important work, and you need to welcome them and empower them, and actually there's this blessing. Greet them, honor them. Not only do you have Phoebe, you also have Aquila, and who else we got? Priscilla and Aquila. This is a couple. They're referenced also in Acts, where they, they were a part of discipling this young man named Apollos, who was a great preacher, and they brought him in and discipled him, and Paul says, you also need to welcome them because they're coming to visit you, and, and you need to welcome them because they've been in chains with me. They most likely have been suffering with me. And Paul says here, greet them, and not only them, also this person named Epinatus, who was the first convert of Christ in Asia. One of the first people that came to, to Christ in probably Ephesus. And Paul's writing to the church, and hear this, don't get, don't, don't get lost in all these names and all this to understand. Paul's writing to the church, he's saying, you need to welcome these people. You need to welcome them as they are. Call them into this. Call them, uh, don't neglect caring for them and empowering them, and, and you need to, you don't, don't be afraid or intimidated by them. Moving on, there's a couple other names that I'd like to highlight. One, there's this, um, it says, greet Mary who's worked hard for you. And then Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, they are well known to the apostles. They are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before him. There's a whole bunch of debate also about this, whether this is they are well known to the apostles, whether they are commended among the apostles. This word for the apostles, some would say, is a reference to the actual 12 disciples, but a lot of scholars say most likely this word for they are commended among the apostles or commended by the apostles is that they were missionaries. 
a husband and wife, probably husband and wife, and Junio was probably a missionary, and they were commended to go and to do the work. And Paul's saying, welcome them. We have all these brothers and sisters in arms who are coming into the church. Welcome them. They're a part of this. It's interesting, in this whole list of, of all of these people, nine of the 26 people that Paul is listing are women. A bunch of them, there's a whole mix of freed men and freed women. There's, there's names that are most likely connected to slave and free. There's Jew and Gentile, and so you can see there's this beautiful mix of all the kinds of people. And Paul's just saying, there should be no limitation to who you greet. Saying in the communion of saints, you should welcome one another. Now, a caveat. There's nothing here about elders and pastors in the church. Paul's not here saying, many have used this, and there's a conversation here, but for us here at Cornerstone and our leadership, as we read this text and we struggle with this, we believe that Paul here is writing about the call for the church to be welcoming and to be empowering all the people of the church to whatever gifts they have, but it seems to be, as you read Titus and Timothy, that elder and pastor are reserved for males. Just from the way we read First and Second Timothy and Titus. But that doesn't mean that, that women don't have a, a really important part to play in the church as we see here in Romans chapter 16. You have to wrestle with this if you're a complementarian. You have to, if you believe this. Because the, the, we, we submit to the scriptures and so we have to learn from this and, and ask ourselves, what is Paul telling us here? And I believe really he's telling us we need to be a church that is welcoming all the kinds of people. All the kinds of people here. It's really interesting, about verse eight, Paul seems to go from people that he personally knows to people that he knows of that are in Rome. He references uh, political figures that, that are a part of the church. He references a guy named uh, Narcissus, who was none other than the well-known, rich, and powerful freedman who exercised a great influence on a guy named Claudius. There's also a guy uh, named Rufus, who is referenced in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, as probably the son of Simon the Cyrene. This was the guy who carried the cross of Jesus in the story of Mark. And Paul here is he's writing to the church and, he's, and, and we're, they're thinking through who do we greet, who do we welcome, he's telling them the church must be a place full of variety. And it must not be all the same kinds of people with the same language or the same uh, preferences or the same upbringing. He says no, the church must be this, this group of people that are united, what? In their love of Christ and the fact that he has changed everything for them. This is what Paul is calling us as we think about how to be a church that welcomes one another. This is why every Sunday, 99% of the time when you come to church here on Sunday, the reason why we do that awkward moment where you go and welcome somebody and greet some, somebody and you're like, I'm an introvert, I can't do that, it's because of this text. It's because we think that we really are called by God to welcome one another and actually to welcome people that are different than you but are united in you, with you. Now notice, Paul is not neglecting the unique call and personhood of each of these people. There are different names here. There are different giftings here. And so there is this, this unity here. 
but there's also this beautiful beauty in all the different gifts and abilities and passions. And, call, and Paul is telling us, greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And so as I think about this, the question I ask myself, Logan, who do you need to greet? Who is it, as I read this and I think about all the different kinds of people, who is it that I have a hard time greeting? And maybe it's not because they fall into the category that we're gonna talk about next, being avoiding, but maybe it's just more, they're just kinda irritating. <laughs> maybe it's more they just think a little differently than me. Maybe it's more they just vote a little differently than me. Maybe it's more that they're, he's a Seahawk fan. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Or maybe it's more that this person has hurt me. And I think here, Paul, he, he's, he's calling the church to this unity in the church. And I believe this is a call to reconciliation. This is a call to put aside the ways that we've harmed each other and hurt each other and a call to forgiveness and a call to seek the peace. It truly is. So the question I ask myself as I read this is, Logan, who do you need to greet? And, and it's not, Logan, who do you need to greet? Like, okay, obligation. It's good to see you. I did my time. Remember, this is, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm so happy to see you. Logan, who do you need to pray that God would do something in your heart because he is telling you here, it is your command. As a follower of Jesus, to greet the brothers and the sisters in Christ that are a part of your community with love and welcome. And to receive them. If there are people in my community, if there are people in, my, in, in, in our interactions that are struggling, I should come alongside and be one to help. We should come alongside and, and learn how to, how, how, to, how to come alongside and bring justice and peace and hope. And so there's this really true call for us to greet the communion of saints. But then Paul kind of takes a left turn here. Not only are we to, to, to have this call to greet, there's also this call of who to avoid. And I just wrote as a summary, I just wrote divisive people. Divisive people, look at what he says here. He says, I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles uh, contrary, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Now, the doctrine you've been taught, this is chapters one through 15. This is the way of the gospel. This is the call that we are a people who believe that, that our faith is founded by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, amen? And he's calling us to be a church that are careful not to get caught up and fall into a ditch that brings about division. Commentators believe that most likely Paul is anticipating um, maybe some Judaizers or libertines, people that, that, that are, are trying to get involved in the church but they're changing the agenda. 
and they're trying to twist the agenda from the agenda of following Jesus and his ways to this other agenda where it seems kind of like him, but then they're adding on more to it. It's really what we would call a Jesus plus theology. It's a, you know what, Jesus is good, but you also have to do this. Jesus is good, but you also need to practice this. And we saw this in the Judaizers. We saw this in the people that said, you know what, it's okay to be a Christian. It's okay that your Jews are a Christian, but if you're gonna become a Christian, you also need to get circumcised. You also need to follow these dietary issues. You also need to do this. And Paul here is saying, be careful. That's a drift. Avoid these folks. But it seems to me, I think we can, we can focus on that and say, like, all right, good. I, I don't see those people here. I'm okay. But I really believe Paul here is talking to us too. Because I can tell you, there's so much opportunity for division in the church. There's so much opportunity for us to be divided in the church, even over this text today. There's so much opportunity for us to, to get distracted from following Jesus and his ways and to say, oh man, I don't like the way they do this, or, or we start talking amongst ourselves. And really the question we should ask ourselves is, who are the divisive people that I need to avoid? Or what are the divisive voices that I need to avoid? I love in our teaching team, Wes said it really well. He said, you know, one, one maybe helpful question would be, who are the kind of people that bring the worst out of you? You know what I'm talking about? Or the kind of voices that bring the worst out of you? Remember when I was a kid and my dad came home, there was a certain radio host that he would listen to every once in a while. And I would always know when he listened to this certain radio host because he'd be so grumpy and the world was coming to an end. And eventually I think he figured that out, he stopped listening to that host. But I, I wonder if there's sometimes some voices in our life, some, some streams in our life, some, some feeds in our life, some, some people that we talk to that are bringing about and stirring up divisions and they're not, they're, they're not helping us to be a people that are greeting one another as Christ has called us to. And Paul here is saying, watch out. Saying, be careful. And he's actually telling them, avoid them. I think also a kind of sobering question I ask myself is, are there ways that maybe I have fallen into the trap of being someone that other people should avoid? Are there ways that I need to repent of that I have caused division in the church? Have I gotten caught up in petty arguments? Have I slandered, have I gossiped Paul's writing to you and me about this. He's calling us, let's say, centered on the truth of the gospel and the truth of following Jesus and keeping our allegiance to him and him alone. Let's follow him with all our heart. As I read this and I think about this, there's a tension in me. Honestly, there's a lot of confusion in me. And I, I've been asking the Lord all week, God, how do I know who to welcome and who to avoid? We are the most connected to so much content. We are connected to so many people that have the persuasive abilities that they talk about here. 
We are, we are, we, we, we're a link away or a click away from so much information that can be so good and can be so destructive. And I'm just thinking, Lord, how do I know? What do I welcome into my life? What do I welcome into, into my family? What do I welcome into our church? And then what do I need to avoid? I think there's a little taste in the first part, which is the communion of saints. And when I call out the communion of saints, people in the church that you know personally, I would say your pastors and your elders, I would say godly people that you know personally, you can have a in good faith conversation with and say, I'm wrestling with this. What do you think about this? People in the history of the, of the church since Christ came, since he resurrected and since he ascended that, that, that have been teaching the ways of Jesus, we trust them. And we should be listening. And there's a whole bunch, especially in the digital age that we live in, there's a whole bunch of, of, of messaging that is trying to get us to drift from the ways of God, from the ways of, of the biblical ethic that God has called us to. And we need to be a people that are careful to avoid those, those pitfalls. And I believe so much of that has to do with talking to trusted folks and learning who to trust. But really the question I think is, who do I trust? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? And what I love here is I think Paul anticipates this in me. I think he ant anticipates that like the, my desire to, to do good, my desire to, to do the right thing is happening in me, I'm, I'm feeling this tension. And look at what he says here. He says, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Probably uh, similar to when Jesus says, I want you to be gentle as dove and shrewd as serpents. But then he says this, the God of peace will soon crush what? Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is most likely a reference all the way back to the beginning of the story of mankind when God shows up and he gives this, and, and Adam and Eve sin against God and God, God punishes them, and, but then there's this little gospel hope that he says that out of you, out of your seed, Eve, will come one. He will have his heel bruised by the serpent, he will crush his head. We know this is a call to Christ. And what he's done on the cross and what he's called us to. It's also a, a reminder that all of these different voices that are trying to have us drift away, that are trying to distract us, ultimately those are rooted in the enemy himself. But we are a people that believe that God wins, amen? We are a people that, be, that believe that Jesus is better and greater and following him is the most important thing. And so as I ask myself, Logan, who do you greet? Logan, who to avoid? The most important thing that I think Paul is getting after here that he's drawing us back into is this. We need to trust Christ our King. We need to trust that the story of the gospel, the story of humanity and all its sin and all its misery and all of its, all of its just cycle of sin and struggle that we can never do enough 
And then we're called, we have this longing to get back into the garden, to get, to get back into paradise and to be right before God. And then God, in his mercy, sees us. And at just the right time, he sends his son Christ to, to, to us. He lives a perfect life. He dies a sinner's death that we deserve to die. And not only does he die, he resurrects and he ascends and he reigns and he calls all who believe in him into a new way of life. And we are called to the ways of the king. And so we are called to have our allegiance to King Jesus. And we can learn from him. And we can grow in him. And ultimately, the filter of who do I avoid, who do I trust, who do I welcome, should be through who does Christ, what does Christ say? What would he do? What has he done? I was thinking about this and thinking about our church and thinking about all the different perspectives, all the, the incredible communion of saints that I get to be a part of here. I was thinking, what is a picture of what it means to really be welcomed and to really trust? And I thought of this moment I got to have in my family. If you know, uh, we adopted um, our youngest daughters, Selah and Ruth, from China. And I'll never forget the moment of bringing them to the airport. And my boys welcoming them. And they didn't know these two little girls. They didn't look like them. But they knew they were their sisters. And they knew they had the same dad and mom. And I think this is a picture of what it means to be the communion of saints. I truly believe that when Paul says that we're called, when he uses the language of brothers and sisters in Christ. He's literally saying like we're a family. And listen, a better picture here actually wouldn't be this sweet, beautiful picture. It would actually be a mess with my kids with, their, with choking each other out and, you know, messes everywhere and dad losing it. That would be a better picture, but I don't really, I try not to capture those moments as much. But that's the church. It's a call of a people who are gathered together who say, I, I don't know I know I struggle with sin, but I know that Jesus is king, and I know he's called me into this messy family. And we gotta figure out how to be a people that greet one another, and how to guard ourselves against false teachings, against the drift that the world and Satan himself wants to pull us into. But thanks be to God that we serve a king who is great. Look at these last few verses. Paul says this, let this, if you could, open your hands and just receive this. He says this, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, all peoples, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are God. 
And God, we're so grateful for, for the gospel. We're so grateful for the truth that you truly do change everything. And God, we wanna be a church that, that follows your ways. We wanna be a people that truly lean in to, to greeting one another as you have greeted us. We want to embrace the call to, to spiritual family. But God, we just confess. We get a little overwhelmed and we tend to drift to our own comfort. But Lord, thank you for your constant reminder and your constant call. And God, I also pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray for moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and, and, and parents and teachers. I pray for our singles that are, that, that are navigating this world right now. I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, God. Help us to know. Help us to be able to discern in community what is it that we welcome, what is it that we embrace, and God, would you just protect us from the evil one? Would you protect us from the messaging and the, 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 the propaganda of this world? And would you continue to unite us? I pray, God, as we prepare to sing together, that you would un continue to unify us. And God, I pray right now as we reflect that every single person here would truly think, what is it that you are speaking to me today? And how should I leave? What should I do in light? What's my response going to be in light of what you've taught me today? Have your way, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.